<laughs> Welcome to the Anxious Voyage. If you think that title sounds bleak or foreboding, one of two things must be true. You're very lucky or you need to get out more. On this program, we share stories of life and living. We compare notes. We discover commonalities. We accept that life is a glorious, heartbreaking thing, and we embrace and celebrate all of it. Take the ride with us. We're glad you're here. Now, here's your host, Mark O'Brien. Hello and welcome. Uh, we are indeed glad you're here. Um, we are coming to you, uh, as always, from World Headquarters in Middletown, Connecticut, home of the Air Fryer Olympics. Um, I'm, I'm a little uh, reluctant to say that um, this show is special and my guest this week is special because I'm afraid you'll get tired of listening to me, but it is absolutely true. Um, and I am uh, grateful and blessed to welcome Andy Scarantino. Andy, I am so happy you are here. Uh, likewise, Mark. I am also so happy that I am here. And I get the privilege of being here with you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I'm going to do something today that I have never done before on this show. And that is, at the beginning of each segment, I'm going to read something. Okay. And we're going to pick it up from there. Cool. I suspect you'll know the first one. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other, just as fair and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. Though, as for that, the passing there had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh. Somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverged in a wood, and I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Robert Frost. Robert Frost. And from what I know of you, um, you have been quite deliberate in adhering to the road not taken. Um, how, how is that? And, and let's start with what your master's degree is in and why you decided to pursue that particular discipline. Okay. That's a good starting point. Um, do you want to start with master's degree or why is, or how is that? No, start with master's degree and then how okay. is that? So master's degree is in sociology. Um, that was just a natural progression, I think, to a, a larger picture. I didn't really understand at the time that I finished my master's degree in 2013. So it'll be 11 years ago this year uh, in the spring. And at the time, it was just a choice that I made because it seemed like the next most obvious thing to do. Um, I was very interested and always have been very interested in knowing and understanding people. Almost everything I've done in my life has revolved around people in some way. And it wasn't until probably the last couple of years that those pieces started cohesively coming together. Because if you asked me 11 years ago why I was doing something, I would have still been in the mindset that I was on a trajectory to an endpoint. 
And that was the way that I was raised. That was the way that Western society kind of said, oh, you're supposed to have a trajectory to an endpoint. So my trajectory to an endpoint was, well, maybe I'll get a PhD. That didn't end up happening. Um, but it wasn't, that wasn't really, that was never supposed to happen. Like that wasn't supposed to be how it went. I was just following and am still kind of following the white rabbit. So to tie into your question, how is that? I, I it's, it's great. Uh, I wish that I could tell you that I was writing the script. I don't believe at this point in my life of 38 years that I am. I can tell you that I'm a, I'm a very intuitive person and I cannot, cannot. And I, I hope, I think by this point of 38 years, my mother understands this, but she didn't always. I cannot make myself do something I do not want to do. I cannot. There is such a restrictive, uh, constrict, constrict, constricting feeling in my body to do something I don't want to do. Uh, working in a cubicle was one of those things. I tried. I tried to force myself to fake it, to want to do that. But I don't. There is um, a feeling of openness when I'm on the right path. And there's a feeling of <laughs> when I'm not. And I've spent most of my life uh, avoiding the. <laughs> so that's that's how that is. Hope that answers. It, it, it does. And two two things that you just said really struck me. In fact, you probably caught me scribbling. Um, the the first thing that, that you said was end point, um, which just no, knowing you as I do just must be such an alien concept to you because you just seem to um, embrace change and go go with whatever. And the other thing that jumped out at me was you feel it in your body. Um, mm -hmm. And I think as much as anything, part of your journey has been um, better connecting with your body, given your journey through addiction, et cetera. And please correct me if my dates are wrong, but I think I recall your saying that in February, I believe it was 2018, you stopped smoking and you stopped drinking. And in October of that same year, you ran your first marathon. <laughs> that is correct, except for the drinking. The drinking didn't happen until uh, Christmas of 2019. But that is correct. Yes, in February of 2018, I let go of my 18-year smoking habit. And I ran my first full marathon at the end of that year in, Feb in October, early October. I don't know if I should first ask you about your mind when you decided to take that on or after 18 years of smoking, if I should ask you about your lungs and if they protested like crazy. You know what, Mark? I have an interesting uh, relationship to my lungs. I was a trumpet player in my early life and I played all the way up until I was about 17. And I think because I started like pre-pubescent playing trumpet, I have this rib cage that's like huge. It's so, like, I was self-conscious about it for years, like, when I would be, like, intimate with people. Like, oh, you're going to see me without my clothes on, and you're going to see that my rib cage is enormous. But it has served me well. I am an efficient marathon runner. Wow. Um, and, yeah, so my lungs are 
I mean, uh, until the after effects of all the carcinogens catch up with me, hopefully I have some time, but we never know. Um, right now, they seem to function at pretty peak capacity. So that's something. Uh, but I think I lost a question in there somewhere. So can you if you bring me back? No, no I, I don't think you did. Um, I, I started out by observing that the notion of your having an endpoint just seems crazy because it just seems to me that you... As much as anything else, you're about discovery. Yes. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, you're right. And then I, I'm not endpoint focused. I've never been endpoint focused. I think there was a point in my life where I wanted um, something that a man by the name of Phil Stutz talks about in his book, The Tools, which is exoneration. He either speaks about it in his book or in the movie with Jonah Hill. I don't remember which one. But it's this idea of humans wanting exoneration, where they reach a point where everything's hunky-dory, rainbows and butterflies. And I think at some point, in, at one point in my life, I wanted that. So if there was ever an endpoint that I thought that I wanted or I should have, that was the one. And then through um, a bit of spiritual evolution, I realized that that actually never happens. And there is richness in not trying to go too deep down the rabbit hole, but there's richness in the, the, the duality. Like the duel is so beautiful in that in every moment there is two things baked into it. And love is inherent with loss and, you know, happiness, there's pain, they're baked together. And when I got comfortable with that, things got a little, a lot easier. And so this idea of rainbows and butterflies is never, is not on the horizon anymore. But yes, I'm not endpoint focused. I really enjoy being alive. I love it. It's so beautiful. You look like you have something to say. Well, I, I just I, I'm going to say I'm going to say one thing, and I'm going to ask you a question. Um, you don't have to worry about going down rabbit holes because if I hadn't named this program the Anxious Voyage, I was going to name it the Rabbit Hole. Really cool. <laughs> <laughs> exoneration from what well that's just what they they labeled the concept they the concept is you know pain suffering you know and i i do a lot of reading and one of the values of essentially the western world is the pursuit of happiness so when i'm talking about this idea of exoneration it is the the pursuit and hope that we will eventually reach a point where everything is bliss, that everything is what we dis discern as good and not bad. And I think that that is what led me into a lot of the early knots that I had tied. You know, we were talking about story. I had followed a curriculum that was kind of programmed into me by Western schools, you know, that there is an endpoint. You will reach it. Um, you should be happy, healthy, wealthy, loved, and you'll get to this place, this magical place. And once you have X dollars, once you have spouse, once you have, I don't know, uh, you look a certain way, you do a certain thing, you get a certain whatever, you'll get to the, the place. And the, it's, it's not a, it's not real. It doesn't exist. A lot of people don't figure this out until they're like, 60. Uh, but it doesn't exist. It's not a thing. There is no place. The needle keeps moving. And I 
felt by the age of probably 25 or 30, based on, you know, data that I received from a lot of people, that I had somehow messed up on my way to the place. And because I messed up on my way to the place and because my life was very unhappy for a really long time, eh, we're just going to do things to enhance that pursuit of happiness, which was the smoking and the drinking and the, you know, all of the, all of the reactive things that infused pleasure into my otherwise unpleasurable experience. And so that, that is a part of kind of what led me to get tied up in a lot of, tying a lot of knots for myself. Did you, you mentioned uh, Western education. Do you think, um, I'll put it a different way. Did your parents, do you think play a role in leading you to think that you had to get to that place? Yes. Yes. My father, not so much. He's passed away. My mother, um, her brain works very differently from mine. And in early life, I was very resentful of that, but it actually has given her a beautiful skill set in that she functions best inside of structure because her brain improves structure. She can see how structures function and then she can improve them. She actually thrives in an environment with rules. Mm. I do not thrive in an environment with rules. <laughs> so, so it was like a lot of this, you know? So yes, the answer is yes. Yes, it did. You you uh you just described my relationship with my father. Really? Yeah. And 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 what's ironic about it is he's he's been gone for 10 years, but if he were here so that I could ask him if he got to the place, he would say no. Yeah. But but he he lived his life as if there were one. Yes, the and, place. And yeah, and so, you know, he had a he had a lot of disappointment. Yeah. Do you think that's true of your mom? Speak for her. Um because I, I have a, she's she's still on a on a journey and she is, you know, still working, still active, still doing a lot of things. So I don't necessarily want to speak for her, but I will speak for humans because I have a lot of experience with just coaching humans, bartending, mm, meeting say hundreds that. of thousands of people from all over the world every day. I think that that's true that many people live in disappointment in ideas, in brain ideas about what they could have done differently or better be to further their quest for the place, that the place could have been a better place. Mark, we're at the place. This yeah. is the place. This is it right here. Like we're in the place. <laughs> where? Yeah, but this is my question then. At two o'clock when this show's over, where the hell are we going to be? In the place. <laughs> We're in the place. We never leave the place. We've never, the place is now. Like it's yeah. now. Yeah. You know, I, um, <laughs> I, I too resist rules and authority and all that stuff. So, uh, one of the things I, I resisted was that book, The Power of Now. It's a good book, Mark. We got to read it. It's on, it, I got it on the shelf over there. Yeah. So is your Uncle Louie. Um, but what always struck me about that was that the idea of thinking or talking about or dwelling in now is gone as soon as you say now. 
right? Mm -hmm. As soon as you say now, it's then. But mm -hmm. that actually validates for me your point that this, this is the place. This is the place. Yeah. And in, uh, geez, I don't know, um, continuity is the only word that comes to me, which is, I think, another sort of ironic thing, because if we're programmed to get to the place, we're going to think, whoa, I, 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 I got to adhere to whatever it is, and it's got to be continuous. But that that's not how you get to the place. The, the way you get to the place by is by resisting those notions of continuity and being open to change because who who knows what's coming mm -hmm. and i want to bring back body because body is so important but i don't know how much time we have before okay we uh, have um we have about five minutes okay I was, i'm gonna bring up body okay. body is is a beautiful thing um your body has all of that information, but a lot of Westerners particularly, uh, or just, and women, women, because women are taught their bodies are inadequate. We live in a patriarchal society. So women are often very disconnected from their bodies. Uh, they think that they're kind of science objects. They should be changed. They should be altered. We should be doing things always to change them in some way. And so we're not firmly, uh, women, many women, most women, um, raised in the patriarchy, aren't firmly, um, I'm going to say most women, it's a judgment. I don't know that to be true. So don't quote me as a statistic. Um, firmly grounded in their bodies. And I wasn't. I was like in in utter hate of it because that's just how I was raised. And, and a lot of women have, you know, body insecurity. And your body is just the greatest transmitter of information that you'll ever have. And when you feed it properly and rest it well and move it and stretch, you will experience life in a completely different way because sometimes there's things your brain does not want to do and your body will say, Yes, that is what you are to do. And I think about us here together in the place, you and I. I think about every action that I took to get to even know you. Mm. And so many of those, my brain said, Ugh, I don't want to do that. And most people, most people have that reaction to me. Not you. No, no, no. The, the, <laughs> the steps, because I'm, I'm so dry. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> to get to here yeah and every person i talked to and everything i did and every action i took to get to you there were many of them i did not want to do but my body said that's the way i i'm i i think i'm sure i've read this from you but i think you've talked about it too when you got to the point that you stopped living here and started yeah. living here. Yeah, it was a wild shift. Yeah. Not not abrupt, I'm guessing. I think that distance running played an early part because when you run for long distances, your brain kind of goes into alpha theta, so you it mimics like a a more meditative state where you're not in those beta brain waves of like thinking, 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 thinking. Mm -hmm. But my default outside of exercise was always thinking, 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 thinking. And a life coach, Andy Petronic, 
noticed that and <laughs> pointed that out and uh, really got me to see that adhering to how much I knew um adhering to how much I knew sorry Siri wanted to interrupt me that's right um was keeping me stuck in a place in 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 areas in my life and not being able to flow properly because I had to have all the details sorted wow I'm I'm um I'm actually preoccupied by what I don't know. In fact, um, Anne, Anne and I were driving into this little village, Chester, Connecticut, and we drove by the tiny little library there. And mm -hmm. I said, if I ever went in that place, I would just drive myself nuts thinking about all the stuff that's not there, all the books wow. that aren't there, all the information that's not available there. Hmm. I mean, I don't want you to think I'm haunted about it or anything, but that's just my orientation, wanting to know more, always. Mm. Wanting to know more. Mm. Yeah. You know, there's, the Tao has a, free, uh, a line, the more you know, the less you understand. And I think that that's accurate. Oh, I you think know, so. Yeah. Information can be as addictive as anything. But, the but, but doesn't, doesn't that suggest that the more you know, the more hungry you are to learn? Well, it becomes the chase like anything else. You know, and, and, and there is, you know, information and the pursuit of information, more information, more understanding, more sight. That can be just as much of a, of a pursuit as anything else. And okay. uh, I'm guilty of it. I I'm guilty of it. Like, I, I want to know more. 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 Like, I get a dopamine hit when I have the opportunity to learn more. Um, just started this fantastic uh, course this morning that's going to really help me level up in a lot of ways in my work. I'm excited. I've been waiting to do it. I'm doing it. It's really great. Uh, it's taught by a brilliant human. And I'm thinking in all of that, I'm like, oh, wow, this is dopamine, 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 dopamine. And a lot of people want to move on to the next bit of knowledge without getting deep into what's already there and just going through it and then going through it again and going through it again and going through it again. And uh, that is the more laborious um, part of knowing. All right, we are going to take our first commercial break now, but what you just did was set up a brilliant segue. So we will be back in three minutes. Keep it where it is. Everybody has a story. Everyone's story deserves to be told. And the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. That's why Mark O'Brien created The Anxious Voyage. It's Mark's conviction that every story deserves to be shared, and his purpose is to give people in all walks of life from any circumstances a chance to tell their stories. The Anxious Voyage is now on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in, please join Mark, and please share your stories. Ever wonder what it's like to have your own radio show? Well, wonder no longer, because you can dip into the radio airwaves by being host for the day on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. 
It's a fabulous way to get your radio feet wet. It's an opportunity to market your business, modality, or book. Have a guest, mention a sponsor, and take callers. Or you may want to facilitate a lesson by going solo. It's up to you. Listeners can be online, mobile, in cars with Bluetooth, or listen through Amazon's Echo by asking Alexa, play Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. For more details, go to DreamVision7Radio.com and click on Host for the Day. You can't establish your brand's authority without a voice. That's why since 2004, O'Brien Communications Group, OCG, has been helping companies establish their authority, find their brand's distinct voices, and position their brands effectively and persuasively. So effectively that nine of OCG's clients have been acquired by other companies. OCG's business model emphasizes efficiency and results, not hourly billing, markups, and media commissions. That ensures OCG's advice is unbiased and its clients aren't at financial risk. If you're ready to find your voice and use it to tell your story, OCG is ready to help. You can find O'Brien Communications Group on the web at O'BrienCG.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N-C-G.com. Or call 860-944-9022. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of Dream Vision 7 Radio Network's unique in house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508 226 1723. That's 508 226 1723. Or go to DreamVision7Radio.com. This is DreamVision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Welcome back. Um, as I threatened at the, I'm sorry, as I promised at the beginning of the show, um, I was going to start every segment by reading something. So this is what I'm going to read next. And if you know where this comes from, I'm going to be really impressed. The only people for me are the mad ones, the ones who are mad to live, mad to talk, mad to be saved, desirous of everything at the same time, the ones who never yawn or say a commonplace thing, but burn, burn, burn like fabulous yellow Roman candles exploding like spiders across the stars. And in the middle, you see the blue center light pop and everybody goes, oh, you know where that's from? Okay. So it's like, is it, is it Howell or is it Jack Kerouac? It's, it's one Jack of the two. Ker Jack, Jack Kerouac. Kerouac. I was like, it's not Howell. It's not Howell. It's Jack Kerouac. It's on the, it's, is it, is it on the road? It is no. on the road. It's on the road. Okay. Like I always mix up the beginnings. Okay. Howell was the best minds of my generation were destroyed by madness. Okay. There we go. I'm set. So it is Jack Kerouac. And so I don't I don't know what this is yet, but for knowing that you win today's bonus prize. Oh yeah, what is that? Well, you don't, <laughs> don't know, know what it is yet. 
I don't know yet. You know, I love beat literature. Uh, William S. Burroughs is my favorite. Mm. Um, Allen Ginsberg's my second favorite. Jack Kerouac, I feel, is like a, he's not my favorite, but I still have read. Uh, okay, so sorry. I'm just going to take a complete tangent here and suggest something to you. Yesterday, I'd, I'd read some of Tom Wolfe's books, but I knew precious little about the man. And I watched a, a documentary about him on Netflix yesterday. Wow. Wow. Um, talk about a guy who created this amazingly effective persona that was completely different from his private life and his family life. Hmm. Um, anyway, I highly recommend that. I so at the end out. of the last segment, you were talking about um, this this course or this program that you just signed up for, and you said something about um, more information isn't always a good thing. And that made me wonder, is it is it possible to be slaves to our own curiosity? And if from fulfilling our curiosity, and understanding from how little we know from the information that we collect, how come that's not a positive thing? It can be. How and when? Well, there's... I want to think of how to answer this. And I'm going to use makeup as an example. Are you wearing it to enhance or are you wearing it to hide? Wow. Um. The only the only times I ever wear makeup are the days when I'm doing this show. So I'm uh I'm I'm not entirely certain I can answer your question. What's your answer? Well, I think that goes well with information, right? So information. Do we want it because we feel inadequate? Hmm. Like what, what's the desire? What's the desire? Is it, is there an attachment to why we're grabbing this information? Why we want it so much? Um, I think like in, in terms of this, this course, it's a pre-recorded, but there it's a, uh, there are some skills that I, I would like to improve upon in terms of uh, helping my clients uh, really access their subconscious uh, patterns, beliefs, bypassing critical faculty, being able to do things in certain ways. I have a lot of training in that. And I would like a little more. And as I, I, I think of that, I think, okay, well, um, do I feel inadequate? Not really. You know, like not really. I don't really feel inadequate. Um, it's kind of both and, 
like when you when you run a race, you could have a, a race and be completely satisfied with that race and you could still want to do better. Like it's both and. Um, I think a lot of times, and I experienced this when I was leading my women's coaching community, there was this, I led it for a year. It was called Day One. And mm-hmm. it was a daily experience. And I hosted it in, a, in an online place called Circle. And these, uh, my this group of people, they were, we, we did this every day because I believe that change happens now, right? We're in the place. Took, we're in the place. You, you, but so, it just went by. Well, we're in the place. We're in the place. We're in the place. But they, but this, but I noticed this desire for more information, more information, a new tool, a new thing, a new, a new reading, a new this, a new that. I noticed that. I noticed that not just from that experience, but from others that I'd work with. Give me more things. Give me more things. Give me more things. And I noticed after a while, because we did this every day. For a year, that's a long time. That's a lot of work. Not, I mean, that's more work than I'll ever do again for one experience. Um, but I noticed that many of the next thing, the next thing, the next thing was saying the same as the old thing. You know, like it was saying the same as the old thing. Oh, I like, see that a lot. And it, it was like I was, I brought in this deep like wisdom from Kabbalah, and I remember um, there was a, a book that. Uh, I had mentioned it already in this program, but the the tools, the documentary came out on Netflix about uh, Phil Stutz. The uh, he was Jonah Hill's therapist. I saw and it. Every everybody watched it. It was on Netflix. It was Jonah Hill. Oh my God! Like, let's talk about this thing. And as I read the book, I went. I watched the documentary. I read the book. Every they wanted to, you know, everybody was like, oh, check out this new thing. And I was like, we've talked about three of these concepts already. Like, we've already done this. We've gone, we've gone over this. And um, he talks about in that book this idea of consumers, like how information, even people on the spiritual path are like, give me another thing, give me another thing, give me another thing. It's like you already have the thing. And maybe your brain didn't understand it one way and it needs it another way. But when it all boils down to it, everything says the same stuff. It's mm-hmm. all the same stuff. Life is very simple. We want to love. We want to be loved. That's it. If we're not functioning out of love, we're we're afraid of something. That's it. Everything says the same stuff. That's It's all the same stuff. And people don't want. And now I'm on a little bit of a soapbox, but I people are just trying to rebrand everything. How many times are we going to remake the same movie? How many way, times are we going to find a new way to repackage acetaminophen to sell it? It's just <laughs> Tylenol. Like we don't need to put it in a pink box and call it some other thing. It's just Tylenol. But everybody's got to have some sort of experience for something. And this is what keeps us in our unhappiness. We're always chasing the thing. We've got to have more things. We got to make it more novel. We got to figure out what else we could do. Well, some things just reach a place where they are already perfect. Hmm. Well, by the way, if I hadn't, uh, if I hadn't named this show, The Anxious Voyage, I was going to name it The Soapbox. The Soapbox. (laughs) Um, so do you think, and I'm going to, I'm going to apply this one to me. Um, do you think I'm afraid of not knowing? Do you think that's why I feel driven to know? I got to know. Mark, I don't know anything about your experience. I can't okay. even claim to guess. I don't know. I don't All right. Know. I'm, I'm afraid to not know. 
You're afraid I mean, to not, you are afraid to not. Are you saying that? Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, again, I'll cite Anne again. Anne will attest to the fact that if something comes up and I don't know it, I'm grabbing my phone right away and I'm going to find out what it is. Um, I, I guess I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because I'm afraid of not knowing. I don't know. Hmm. And, you know, I, at least so far, I tend to retain most of what, <laughs> most of what I learned, regardless of how I come by it. Hmm. But maybe that's it. Maybe, maybe, maybe I, maybe I need to look at it that more, that, that way more. So if, if, if what I just suggested is at least possible, how come you're taking this new program? Yeah. You know, I'm just improving my skills. You know, I, honestly, do you want to do you want to know the the honest reason? No, I want I I want you to lie through your teeth. There are where I'm still playing a human game. You know, like I'm still I'm still playing a human game. I'm still doing human things. And I I'm not attached to how it turns out. But I'm I'm still playing a human game. <laughs> well, think about. I think, think I would about, be. I'd be worried about you if you weren't. You know, though it's it's interesting. I, I. That's something interesting to think about. There are there are skills that can be taught right like we 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 can learn skills yeah, yeah. and in and in the human game where we're still we still have to earn a living we still have to earn a salary the more skills you have the higher your salary i care very much about salary it's a very masculine quality of me i love money that is not i love masculine. it <laughs> it's masculine yes it is and when you i think when you think masculine you think i'm talking about boys Mask money is a masculine energy. It is. It's it's just a mask in the world of energy. Money is a masculine energy. That's just what it is. Meaning, in terms of the masculine feminine paradox, it's a masculine energy. Nothing to do with sex or gender or male or it's just a masculine energy. You, you know, um, we're going to take our next break in just a minute. But I, I have to ask this question, which occurred to me before: Do you think it's possible? that everybody, including men, are fooled into thinking there's some kind of patriarchy. I, I think everything's possible, Mark. Sure. Yeah, okay. of course. Of course. <laughs> All right. Everybody's I just, right. I, I just wanted to plant that seed because um, I'm just, um, I'm not as convinced of that as a lot of people seem to be, or maybe it just I'm doing a lot of things wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which it is, but we will take our break right here and we'll come back for our last segment in three minutes. Thank you. Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with 
with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. You can't establish your brand's authority without a voice. That's why since 2004, O'Brien Communications Group, OCG, has been helping companies establish their authority, find their brand's distinct voices, and position their brands effectively and persuasively. So effectively that nine of OCG's clients have been acquired by other companies. OCG's business model emphasizes efficiency and results, not hourly billing, markups, and media commissions. That ensures OCG's advice is unbiased and its clients aren't at financial risk. If you're ready to find your voice and use it to tell your story, OCG is ready to help. You can find O'Brien Communications Group on the web at O'BrienCG.com. That's O-B-R-I-E-N-C-G.com. Or call 860-944-9022. Calling all authors. Have you been considering an audiobook? Well, look no further. Come take advantage of DreamVision 7 Radio Network's unique in-house audiobook production, which includes benefits and bonuses from our radio station. Let our knowledgeable staff guide you to create the audiobook you've always dreamed of without breaking the bank. Check out our full one-stop service from A to Z, including the ACX process. Schedule a free consultation by calling 508-226-1723. That's 508-226-1723. Or go to dreamvision7radio.com. Everybody has a story. Everyone's story deserves to be told. And the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. That's why Mark O'Brien created The Anxious Voyage. It's Mark's conviction that every story deserves to be shared, and his purpose is to give people in all walks of life, from any circumstances, a chance to tell their stories. The Anxious Voyage is now on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. Please tune in, please join Mark, and please share your stories. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow. Hi there. Uh, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back, Andy. Um, here we go with the fulfillment of my promise for the third segment. It doesn't interest me where or what or with whom you've studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else fail, falls away. I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. I think you may be on mute. I am. I don't okay. know it. You do know it? I don't know it. Okay, it's it's actually not new at all, but it's from a poem called The Invitation by someone who calls herself Oriah, O-R-I-A-H, Mountain Dreamer. Mm. So I want to just shift a little bit, um, and we're, we're going to move from what I'm about to talk to you about into your work and how people can find you if they would like to work with you. Um, 
my very first show um, on this network was called Stop Hate. And I had uh, Dennis Patoko and um, Melissa Hughes and Peggy Wilms on it. And toward the end of the show, we talked about the project that Dennis and Peggy are about called um, Unsheltered Voices from the Street. In a podcast you did with Roger Martin, you talked about that a little bit. And you said it was a noble undertaking, which it is. Um, and I have written and contributed more than one piece to that. But you also said this. There's no bypassing the inward journey for the individual. While we may aid people who are at war, we might provide medical supplies. We might aid people who are unsheltered. We might provide housing. All of that is so important. But every human has to go inside. That obviously struck me. Um, I wonder if you can or would like to say more about that, and in particular, what we should do. Because I know you do this because you've written about it, you live in New York City, you see people on the street, I've done it, I've stopped and talked to people and gave them whatever. But you leave those encounters knowing that nothing you did is likely to make a change or a difference. What do we do? So I want to just, I, I, I want to answer this because I hear what do we do a lot. And I think that question, I, I don't think it's useful um, because if it was, then we would have figured that out, right? Like we would have figured out what to do. Okay. There are always actions that we can take, but I want to talk about this concept of do versus be because that is the way uh roger and i also talked about the answer being love i am sober four years and i just started working a job on the weekends to make extra money at a bar because why not <laughs> it pays really well you know <laughs> and um i'm sober and they know that and after about being there since October and a couple of weeks ago, one of my coworkers just started asking me questions about what it's like to not smoke and not drink. And I didn't do anything. You know, I just had the courage to just be who I am. And a lot of people in my life have just changed who they are by me just being unapologetically who I am, not forcing anything on anyone, just being what Kabbalah would call the light, like being the light. Um, many, many uh, spiritual, uh, I don't know, have a word right now, call it the light, be the light. Where's the light? Mm -hmm. um, Gandhi, be the change you want to see. He and I share a birthday, even though he's no longer in his body. Um, when I wrote about when I first, I wrote a piece about uh, homelessness in New York and it's on Biz Catalyst, if anybody wants to take a look at that and find me on Biz Catalyst. And um, part of what I said there, and I'm not sure it was the message was received because when you get an issue that people have talked about ad nauseum, like 
homelessness, like war, like racism. Not that these things aren't very, very uh, anti-Semitism. These things are very big issues. These are very important. But once you've talked about it for hundreds of years, right? Like, or not, or decades or whatever, people have strong feelings. So they don't really hear new messages. They only kind of hear the thing that they already have in their mind. So the way that I combat that is I usually talk about something else. And then I, and then I say, oh, by the way, this is just like racism, (laughs) you know? And then like, so I'll start talking about something completely different. So people be hearing a good story and then I'll be like, oh, and by the way, this is what happens when we go to war, (laughs) you know? Like, so you just, (laughs) you play with it. Um, Because people are really defensive about things that we've talked about like aggressively. But because a lot of people don't want to be preached to and they're scared. So they're scared that they're going to lose liberty. They're scared they're going to lose love. They're scared that they're going to lose freedom. And the way that you can be the change is to be the light. And what I talked about in the piece that I wrote is that New York, people in New York are just as ill They're just, this is a city of illness. It's a city of consumerism. It's a city where people are distracting. This is, this is a a corporate conglomeration. This is a city of hungry ghosts. And so, yeah, you can give money to people. This, the, the people that live here in this city are, this is not a place this is a city of 9 million people yes there are people here who are awake at peace but as a whole the psychic energy here is not peaceful this mm-hmm. isn't a peaceful place <laughs> this is a place of sirens and screaming and Yes, the only Zen at the top of the mountain is the Zen you bring up there with you, and I get that. But what what are you? Everybody has to go inside. Somebody giving you money, you're going to take the money and you're going to go do the next reactive behavior. Someone gives you food, you're going to eat the food, and then someone else is going to give you money. And <laughs> you know, like, but and we, I believe truly that they're in that there must be resources so i believe nonprofits are very are noble and necessary i believe all of the work that we do to aid people is necessary because people do need resources and love and they do need someone to care for them and they do need maslow's basic needs like they need that i think our government does a crappy job in taking care of its people i do i think that and there has to be like the wanting the will like nobody can like if you don't believe that you are worthy of a home and your primary social circle is also people who don't believe they're worthy of a home. And you're living in a city where most people are so in a hurry to get to the place because New York is the capital of ego of America, in my opinion, right next to Los Angeles, except they're not so forthcoming. Um, 
who's who's going to be the light? Like, like, where's the light? So does that mean, it certainly seems to suggest, and especially in your dichotomy between doing and being, does that suggest that part of our reality is that some people are just not going to live into their being? I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but you know, it's it it it's it's one of my um, it's one of my bugaboos about the idea that we're somehow going to legislate equality, uh, which is ridiculous because um, it doesn't appear that even God managed to do that. So, are are there some people who are just they're 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 just not going to get to a place of that kind of I don't know what to call it fulfillment peace whatever you want to call it yeah. Yeah, it's it's just going to be that way. And that doesn't necessarily, yeah, yeah, like being unsheltered is, is, is aggressive. Like that's horrible, right? Like it's horrible that somebody has to, that that's happening for somebody. But we could use like going back to the early interview, like your, like your dad, like your dad always wanted to get to the place and never figured out it had that dis-ease that there wasn't. Um, some people will drink their whole lives and they just will always be like, there, we are here to experience self. So there's something, the universe will drop branches until it drops the tree. You don't just get to a space where things are happening to you. Like it's just, when are you going to notice the branches? For me, it was when I got left at an airport in the middle of the night, in the middle of January without a flight home. That for me was the tree. That was the tree. That was the, oh, <laughs> oh, 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 what what's going on? You know, like that was the tree for me. But sometimes the tree is, is larger. Sometimes it's a redwood that before we're like, wait, uh, oh, so. I don't know if that answers your question. And I probably, I don't know how I even come off. I just. Yes, it does answer my question. And, you know, it's just, um, it's a sad reality that some some people are going to be lost along the way. That doesn't make me happy. It doesn't make me feel good. Um, but some people, I'm going to use your terminology. Some people are never going to have the tree fall on them. But by whose judgment are they lost, though? You know, like when we talk about spiritual curriculum, they say people who struggle with addiction, then this could have been 30 incarnations of addiction. Like that could have been a, a lesson that someone's been working on for millennia. You know, like who's to say they're lost? Okay. Point taken. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, sorry, because I would like this conversation to go on forever. So we in all likelihood will do this again. But if you could please just connect that to the work you do, tell us a little about the work you do. And then aside from Biz Catalyst 360, where can people find you? Okay. So at the work, I do change work. I do mindset and transformational coaching. Mindset's very conscious and transformational coaching is very is, is unconscious. Um, it's about accessing your subconscious 
beliefs so that you can, and your subconscious mind and making suggestions so that you can make change in your life. Um, that I started doing this work four years ago around, you know, a little, like not quite four years ago yet. Um, and, uh, who do I work with? Anybody that is stuck in a place and can't seem to, I mean, we're in the place, but stuck in a situation where they want to change it. And, um, Stuck in a place where they don't realize they're in the place. They're in the place, correct, yeah. where we, we feel um, that we are just overthinking life. We feel like we're stuck in a behavior. Maybe we're stuck in like It's a stickiness. Um, it's a dis-ease. And it's that I know that there's something different. I know that there's something deeper. Um, I'm not religious. I'm highly spiritual. I wasn't raised with any religion, but I do, you know, bring a lot of science and spirituality together. Um, where can you find me? So there's no swearing on this program, but my website, you can put in get the F word off.com, use the actual word, or you could just type in my name, andyscarantino.com, which is uh, just my name, um, which you'll see in this program. And that'll redirect you to <laughs> get the off.com. <laughs> I have a redirect in place. So if you feel weird typing that into your browser, uh, the name was created to sound like an explicit website. I initially developed it to make personal development digestible to an audience that perhaps was tired of the love and light BS um, and felt that coaches were phony and inauthentic because that's how I felt about it all before I actually started exploring my inner world. And I also want to point out that people can find you on LinkedIn. And when Correct. we say Andy Scarantino, we're talking about A-N-D-E-E. -E. Yes, correct. I am on LinkedIn. I play there a lot. Okay, as do I. Andy, thank you, my friend. I am so glad you were here. Thank um, you, Mark. This was as amazing as I knew it would be, and uh, we sincerely need to do it again. And for all of you who decided to chime in with us today, thank you for being here as well. See you next time. Thank you for tuning into The Anxious Voyage, the program dedicated to sharing stories, helping people, and celebrating life. You can see and listen to The Anxious Voyage on syndicated Dream Vision 7 radio network every Monday at 1 a.m. and 1 p.m. Eastern Time, with live broadcast every first and third Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern. If you have a story to tell or if you know someone who does, please email the host, Mark O'Brien, at mark at o'briencg.com. In the meantime, please remember, the only bad stories are the ones we don't share. This is Dream Vision 7 Radio Network, uniting mankind with universal love. Our shows are created from the heart, bringing each listener to a place of divine enlightenment. Breathe, relax, and enjoy. Let life flow.